Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, my Heart of Dating family, it's your host, Kate Warman, and I just want to say it. I love you guys so much, and I am so thankful because, guys, guess what? You showed up for episode one of season six this last week, and I'm just thrilled because if you liked last week's episode and last week's mini-series, you are going to love this week's episode on the podcast. Now, before we get into the epic guest for today and all of the rad content, I just want to share two crazy, amazing new things for you guys. First, we are launching a conference. Yep, you guys, that is right. Our conference, Singled Out, is happening February 6th, and it is going to be crazy good, let me tell you. We have the one and only Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child speaking. We have Lisa Bevere, the absolutely incredible and powerful Lisa. We also have Sadie Robertson Huff and Christian Huff speaking as a duo. We have the coolest pastor around, Chad Beach, who speaks so much truth. We have the talented and truthful Jen Johnson. We have the legendary Dr. Henry Cloud. We have the truth bomb bringer, Dr. Darius Daniels. We have the intellectually amazing Marion Jordan. And you guys, over 20 others, including a sexologist to answer all of your sex questions, all right? Now, this conference is launching on February 6th, but if you are not available on February 6th, do not even worry, my friend. You have all the time in the world to watch the content from all of these incredible speakers. In fact, you will have access to all of the content at the Singled Out Conference for a full year. Now, early bird tickets are on sale right now until January 22nd, and then the price goes up. So snag your ticket right now. Not only that, did I mention you get a bunch of bonuses with your ticket, you guys? First of all, you'll get my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me. So if you already got a copy, that's incredible. Now you have a copy to give to a friend for Valentine's Day. You will also get an amazing Sola journal. There are limited supplies of this incredible journal, but you will get one right now if you get a ticket. The Sola journals contain curated scripture on a given topic, along with space to write, doodle, or express yourself on a journey through the tapestry of God's word. The last reason to snag your ticket right now is because the earlier that you do, the more likely you will get first priority access to our special mix and mingle room signups. Now, this was a big hit at our conference last summer. So if you want to be in our mix and mingle rooms to meet some eligible singles, whether men or women, then get on your ticket right now. Friend, you do not want to miss out on this incredible event. So go ahead and visit singledoutconference.com to get your ticket right now. Now, the second big amazing thing we have happening in February is, y'all, I am launching a book. My new book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, comes out February 16th, and I'd love to invite you to be a part of supporting this journey with me. 
you can visit thankyouforrejectingme.com or tyfrm.com to find out more. And if you pre-order my book right now, you guys, separately from the conference, you will get incredible bonuses. I created a five-step series to help you get out of any rejections you're facing right now. And I created this series actually in the wake of my most recent rejection and heartbreak that happened late last year. Now to caveat this, this book and this my pre-order bonuses, all the things, they are not just for people who've been through a heartbreak. In fact, heartbreak is only one chapter in my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me. We cover all different kinds of rejections, including self-rejections, like how we reject ourselves through body image, insecurity, self-hatred, our own negative self-talk. We also talk about abuse, toxic relationships, abandonment, feeling like you don't belong, feeling like you're not invited, feeling like a failure, just all of the things, you guys. All right, now, without further ado, I want to let you know what you can expect from season six. I've taken the different themes of my book on rejection, and each week I am having a guest on to tackle that theme through the telling of their story and their journey. And then on Fridays, I'm releasing mini-sode episodes with some practical tips on how to overcome that specific kind of pain and rejection in your life. So I just really want you to start out 2021 with the best possible tools in your tool belt. I am so excited about all the guests coming up, and I know you're going to love it. Now today, my friend Carlos Whitaker and I are talking about the lies holding you back and how to overcome failure and all the closed doors in your life, whether it be in life or in dating. Carlos Whitaker is an author, speaker, and self-professed hope dealer. He speaks at some of the largest churches in the country and at conferences including the Orange Conference, Catalyst, MomCon, and many others. A People's Choice Award winner and host of a popular podcast, he's also the author of Moment Maker and Kill the Spider and his newest work, Enter Wild. Carlos lives with his wife, Heather, and their three children in Nashville, Tennessee. You guys, I can't tell you enough how much I just enjoyed this conversation with Carlos. We just hit it off and went back and forth and honestly formed a friendship. It was so much fun. And we talked really truthful about lies and how to conquer them in your life. And I think now more than ever, we need this message. Here are some of the things that we covered. Feeling like a failure, the lies we often believe in times of failure. Carlos even recommends a three-step process out of these lies. He also talks about how to step into unashamedly who you are. We talk about how to fight feeling like a fraud and also how to discern what voices to let in. By the way, guys, Carlos is just incredible and we at Heart of Dating love his heart for justice and his ability to really have hard conversations through social media with kindness. So we want to highly encourage you to check out his Instagram and stay in touch with him. You can find him over on the gram at at loswit. All right, y'all, without further ado, let's get into this conversation today with Carlos. Oh my gosh, Carlos Whitaker, so excited to have you on Heart of Dating today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I like to think that I still have a heart for dating, even though I just date one person over and over again for 20 years. Oh my so I'm gosh. in. I love it. I love how you just worked in the heart hey, of dating. Come on. Listen, listen, I'm here for you. If you need a if you need a marketing manager, just let me know. 
I mean, I'm going to take you up on that. This is going to happen. <laughs> Carlos, this is so exciting. I have been following you on Instagram for some time. And just, I feel like the way that Instagram is now, it's like you become like digital friends or you kind of have a peek into yes. people's lives. So not to be a stalker, but I feel like I kind of know you just from the gram. So you are an epic man. So I'm so happy to have you on today. <laughs> well, th thanks for finally making the friendship official. So right? now, now, uh, now, now we're in. So I literally just right now hit follow uh, back, follow back. So <laughs> I'm like, now I, now I get to stalk you. So oh my great. gosh. Hello. You're welcome to all the, see all the singleness dating things. You know, yes. what's funny is that I, we do talk a lot to singles and dating couples, but we do have married people listening and following along too, yeah. because to your point, like you don't stop dating when you're married, you know, like right. it I continues. It. And so even though you've been married 20 years, you and Heather, I'm sure that process of like still dating be intentional is such a thing oh, in yeah. marriage and doesn't stop at the altar. <laughs> yep, that's right. No, it doesn't. It keeps going. Well, Carlos, I want to just start by letting you just introduce yourself because I know a little bit about you, but I want all the people to know a bit about you too. Would you just share a bit about who you are? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a full time. Uh, like, I guess it depends. Like every <laughs> month, I, I have to change what I'm a full time. You know, and with 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 COVID and 2020, I've I've definitely been a lot more things than what I normally am. But I guess the, like the job description is I write books, I'm an author and uh, and a speaker and um and you know and a storyteller. I I, I feel like 2020 is definitely I've leaned way more into being a digital storyteller and. Helping people um, uh, really handle and tackle tackle difficult conversations in a in a grace filled way, and and I feel like I do that through storytelling on my Instagram. It's kind of like my main my main space right now, and gosh, I just love it. You know, I love. I feel like I've I've been designed specifically to to lead people in some um, in some more difficult conversations, and again, in a way that makes them feel safe, and so. That's that's kind of what I do, you know. Like I'm I'm all about helping people find freedom. I'm all about helping people again freedom from from addictions or freedom from whatever it may be. Um, and whatever way I can package that, uh, it, you know, that may look different in 2021. So I guess you know I'm just like a freedom guy that does it in various ways. Um, but I live in Nashville, Tennessee, with my wife of 20 years. Which oh my gosh, that just sounds so. I when I say that, I'm like, that's like oh my, my grandparents used to say that. Like, right? What in the world? Did you just feel you old know? saying that right I now? Did, I'm like, I seriously. Did, did. Well, but hey, hey, we got we got married at 13, so so that that's fine. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, but, um, yeah, I'm only 33 today. No, I will just interject one second because at Christmas somebody came over that I didn't know, and I was talking to them as a as a young man, and I was like, so how old are you? And he's like, I'm 21, and I had this moment where I was like, I'm over 10 years older than this person. Yeah, like, yeah. this is so weird. Why do I feel like oh, ancient yeah. right now? <laughs> like, the next, the next point is of contention in your life is going to be when you're, when you're 41 and someone says I'm 21 and you think you could be my child, yes. like, like oh my I, you know, like, like that's, it's just, it's just Lord the weirdest thing. So get ready, get ready. <laughs> oh but, uh, yeah, I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my wife and three kids, uh, hanging on to the last one. She's 18. Uh, as long as we can, you know, but uh, she's, she decided to go to school in Nashville. So that's been a blessing for us to have her in the house an extra year. And um, yeah, so we, you know, we live here and we kind of live our lives very visibly for the world to see on YouTube and Instagram. And my wife, uh, she's got, uh, she's, she's a gardener slash suburban farmer and has a little 
uh, Instagram account where people, she teaches people how to do that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's just good. Like we're in a sweet, sweet, sweet season. I love that. I love that, Carlos. Yeah, it has been so cool just seeing you this year too on Instagram and highly recommend you guys go follow Carlos. Just tell them your gram right now because we're on the subject. What? How do they connect with you on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, L-O-S-W-H-I-T, Los Wit. Yes. And so, yeah, just jump on there and I promise to, you know, offend you in kindness. <laughs> and make you make you think hard about things you probably don't want to think about exactly. but also I, I talk about really mundane things like the birds in my yard and the blow-ups in my yard <laughs> or and like so, the snowman blow-up that like yeah, or yeah the snowman blow-up you know? yeah on Christmas so, I was like, yes. yeah he, he's lost his scarf as I look out my window right now his scarf is blown away into the abyss and so I don't know where it is it's it's in some neighbor's yard somewhere so he looks a little naked without his scarf but there is a 20 foot inflatable snowman in my front yard right now. So. <laughs> it is iconic. I think that is like, it's, you can't yeah. not have that every year. Yeah, uh, totally. Well, Carlos, I know we're new friends, but I want to connect us on something that I know that we both love. So I heard you talk about in one of your books and also on interviews, but you spent some time at a place called Onsite and I yeah. too have been to Onsite. So I just want to no like, way. yes. And I, I was like, oh, we immediately, I feel like there's not not that this is like some sort of click or something, you guys, but I just, there's something special about this place. And so I wanted to just yeah. kind of open up that dialogue about therapy and why, what, what therapy has done for you in your life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, th I'm a huge, huge advocate of therapy. I, I have been for a long time and, um, and you know, I, I think I've definitely shifted even since my experience at Onsite in my, in my view of the role of therapy, um, and, uh, and so, so let me preface this by saying, you know, I am a, I'm a huge believer in therapy. I went to onsite. I like, yes. I like, you know, self indulge, you know, seven days of experiential therapy into my, into my heart and soul. And it healed so much inside of me. And I'm a big believer in therapy. Uh, but, but now what I, what I tell people is, is I believe that therapy is our help, uh, but it's not our hope. And mm -hmm. so I, I feel like a lot of people maybe mix the two up and they, they think, man, I just go to a therapist and that's where I'm going to find my hope. And if I just go, that's where I'm going to find my true healing. And I, I understand what people mean when they say that, but we just can't confuse that our hope can't be in the natural, like, like in therapy, it's got to be in the supernatural. And so where, where, where I find therapy, it's like, therapy is like the great, it, it's like an unlocking key that unlocks the gate towards healing is, is what it does. Um, and like, you can't find healing without, I honestly don't think like you can't find healing without some sort of experience like therapy, you know, and that's going to look different for different people. Um, but I do believe that talk therapy is very important to, as a key to unlock the healing that you want in your life. And then also as like a continual, just continuing to stay healthy by continuing to go to therapy. Once you, once you've gone for a long time, you think, okay, I'm done. No, I think that you got to keep going. Um, I think that you've got to keep, you know, subjecting yourself to, to it once every few months. You know, go go find somebody else that that isn't in your brain that can help you decipher what's going on in your brain. You know, and so uh, I think it's very helpful, but I don't want people to think that that it's like that's the key, right? Like that's that's right. it. I yeah. think our our help is in the our help is in um, the natural things like therapy, and our hope is in the 
the supernatural things like inner healing prayer and things like that. Yes, inner healing prayer. And I also think just doing the practical work, like one step is therapy, but then other steps are like, it's like for me with reading a book, I can read a book and consume it, but then like a self-help book, let's say, but like if I don't actually practice the things I'm learning in that book, then what's really the point of the book? I just gain some knowledge, but not actual, I'm not actually using the knowledge I have to turn into like wisdom and a different way of living. So, you know, you can go to therapy and start finding out things about yourselves. And that's why at a place like Onsite, which is an intensive therapy retreat center, you know, they, you have like a program afterwards. You do this intense, crazy work for like a week and it's a lot of things and it's explosive and emotional and all the feels, I mean, everything. But then afterwards you agree to a plan to continue the work and different various things. Like I remember one element for me, what that was really important was I recognized through onsite that had a lot of built up angst, kind of like that mix of like anxiety and anger. And so a way for me to get that out because it was just living in my body was I agreed to start going to boxing every week. (laughs) And so it was like part of my actual mental health process of like, you know, this is living in my body. I want to intentionally go to boxing for an hour every week and focus on that thing that I can just like punch a bag and don't care who's listening, who's around me because there's loud music. I would go to this class and just get it out and scream. And Mm -hmm. it was awesome. You know, (laughs) I totally agree. You know, our uh, I mean, sometimes boxing and, and exercise is a good therapy, right? Like, like, you don't have to talk to somebody. You can hit something just to make sure it's not a human, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. And so, you know, like, like get it out. Like, our body, there's a book that I read called um, Either Our Body or Your Body Keeps Score. The Body Keeps the Score, the yes. Body keeps the yes. Score, yes. And that just, you know, was so eye-opening to me that all the trauma that we have endured in our life and, you know, is is literally held in our cells and in our DNA. and we've got to find ways, uh, you know, to release that. And so I love that you said that. Yeah. I mean, and that's where's the one misconception with that is that people think it's only like the big T traumas, like the big moments, but there's also all these small moments. So to just address like 2020, the year we just went through, I mean, maybe you did lose your job. Maybe you didn't, but maybe there are all these small collective things. Like I think collectively we've all gone through just little traumas throughout this whole year right. of oh, 2020, yeah. you know, like, no, absolutely. I, and I absolutely. think when we look at that, I'm like, I don't think there's a person in the world right now, especially also just when we look at our country that hasn't gone through some sort of collective trauma this year. And so those things need to be worked through. And otherwise they do build up and we're like, we're fine. I'm fine. I'm untouchable. Nope. You're not untouchable. It's affecting you in some way. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes. Like you just exploded. It's just like, oh. It reminds me of Ross in the Friends episode. Have you seen that one? Where he's like, (laughs) no, I'm fine. Really? I'm fine. Fine, everyone. Why is my voice all squeaky? I'm fine. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, Carlos, today I kind of want to also, in tandem with this, kind of talk through just the lies that are holding people back. And my new book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, is coming out in February. And one of the chapters I have in that book is called The Dreaded F Word. And the F word here that I'm talking about is just feeling like a failure. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we put our all into something like a job or a relationship or our image or our school or our ministry, my gosh, we this last year have seen so many leaders be taken down, unfortunately, in different ways. But so it's either others labeling us as a failure or even 
worse when we label ourselves as a failure and we're berating ourselves internally. So I just kind of want to open up the dialogue with you. Has has this ever affected you? Have you ever personally felt or been labeled as a failure? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I mean, it, it is, you know, um, you know, and, and I think failure is going to be different for everybody, right? Like the extent of what that word means for for you. But I know for me, I I always wanted, there was a desire in my heart to be a communicator, to be an author, to be a speaker. And I, I had I had talent in singing and playing the guitar. And so uh, that was kind of a quick way to get on stage was I was like the worship guy or the lead singer of the band. And um, and although like I, I enjoyed that, like I there was still this innate desire inside of me to communicate with through, through speaking and through writing. And uh, I just remember like people that were influential in my life. You know, this is gosh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. They, they they would always tell me like, well, Carlos, like, you know, that that's fine. You could do that on the side. But like, you're, you're really not gifted in that. Like, you're really whenever you try to talk for longer than three minutes, like it doesn't doesn't really make sense. And so but you're really good at singing. And so you should just do that. And, you know, it, it was such a subtle rejection that over and over I just kept getting. And so before I even even gave it a shot, I felt like a failure in being a communicator. I felt like a failure. And so for far too long, I, I, I believed that lie. And for far too long, I just sat back. And finally, you know, when I turned 40, I said, you know what, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done just just acting the way other people um, want to have me act and doing the things they want me to do. And believing that I'm a failure because they think I can't do this as a even though I've never tried it. Yeah, uh, let me give it a shot. And now, you know, now six years later, like I'm, I'm three books in. I'm booked throughout the year. I speak in front of hundreds of thousands of people every single year, and, and I feel like, oh my gosh, like why did I wait so long? You know, and I, the reason why I waited so long was because I thought I was a failure or I was scared to fail. And I mean, I would just tell your listeners, you know, if you if you've got a dream that being scared of failing or somebody told you that you're a failure in that thing is keeping you from doing it, you, you can't. You got to break the agreement with that lie. And and step out and give it a shot. And um, you know, my life's my life's better for it. And so yeah, I've definitely lived in that uh in that failure bubble, but I'm I'm glad that um I've realized how to how to battle that on a daily basis because it's not something that just goes away, you know. Right. You know, even 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 as now I'm a full-time author and speaker, you know, like I could get booked somewhere. I mean, I I'll remember I'll never forget I got booked to speak right after Tony Robbins at this oh like dental at like this dental like like summit or something. And I was like, no oh my gosh. Like like before I even got on stage, I was a failure. Like I was like, this is Tony freaking Robbins, like the master He's gonna manipulator with- yeah. of like, you know, of emotion. And like I'm gonna go up there. And you know, and so I had to break the agreement with the lie that I'm a failure before I even gave it a shot before I went up there. And when I did, I went up there and I killed it, you know? And so, you know, it's just, it just goes to show that this isn't something that's one and done. This is something that I can do it on a daily basis. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? You mentioned breaking the agreement with the lie. I love the phrasing of that. How did, did you get to that? Or how would like the listeners listening that are like, man, I am so afraid to step out because what I have noticed just as a little side is that 2020 has shook, shook things up in such a way for people in life and in career and just so many ways that we're all kind of rethinking how things should be done. And even in our personal lives, like what do my new routines look like? What it, maybe I lost my job or I work from home now. And what that like shifting things, like maybe I have time for my passions or maybe I don't actually, I'm not 
like passionate about this thing I'm doing. Maybe I should be doing something or I want to do something else. But they feel hesitant because this lies, these lies that are holding them back. What do you what would you suggest for kind yeah. of breaking the agreement with those lies? Yeah, you know, um I, I wrote a book called Kill the Spider, which this is the the reason why I was able to say that so eloquently is because I, I wrote a whole book on it. And it took me me writing a whole book on it be, to be able to say one sentence very eloquently on it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it it definitely has become my DNA. It's become my DNA to break agreements on a daily basis. You know, the the whole the whole premise is that that I look at it and I think it'll help your listeners if they look at it this way is, you know, um, say say you've got a lie that you believe. Uh, that you're a failure. Okay, so uh, that's the big lie that we're talking about. The big F that you talk about yeah. in the chapter in your book. What what that what that lie does is it in turn produces behaviors, and and those behaviors uh, are medicators, right? And so so if you believe you're a failure, well, some of the behaviors that you may be using to medicate is you know uh, you're not uh, a behavior is you're not going to uh, try things that are that are difficult. Um, you're not going to uh, approach a conversation. You know, I mean, let's just talk about um, uh, dating for a second. You're not going to step out and have a conversation with somebody that you, you know, may find some sort of uh, chemistry with because you're scared you're going to fail. And so that's the medicator that's that you're using in order to medicate that lie that like you're a comfort failure. bubble. So, like I'll just stay in my yes. comfort bubble. Like that's you're bringing up that exact thing for Christian dating people. Like there is this lie that so many people I speak to believe exactly that, that like either they've had a few relationships that have failed or it's been so long since the, any action in their dating lives that they just feel like I just must not be good at this or no guy right. or girl must like me. I must not be desirable. I must, I'm going to fail at this. Like I am yeah. because it hasn't happened for me. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you know, when, when people hear me talk about medicators, I think they automatically go to like, oh, that's gotta be like you're okay. drinking yeah. or, <laughs> you know, or pornography or right. whatever, you know, and I'm like, no, like those, those are just as damaging. Sure. But you know, what's just as damaging to your life is staying comfortable in your little bubble and, and allowing that to be your medicator, like that's just as damaging, I believe, as some of those kind of louder cobwebs is what I call them in my book. Um, and so, you know, so once you find the lie and once you are ready to break the agreement with the lie, this is what I tell people. It's not that complicated. You you confess the lie. You, you have to speak it out loud, start saying it out loud when, we, when uh, you know, secular psychologists agree that if you say things out loud, there's a, there's a connection from your mind to your soul that allows change to happen in a more rapid pace. Um, so you, you confess it out loud. You say, okay, I confess that I believe the lie that I'm a failure. And then you reject the lie. And, and again, as, coming as a man of faith, I use scripture to reject the lie. So I say, I reject this lie and I send it to the foot of the cross um, where I don't have to deal with it anymore. And then you have to replace the lie. And so that's the biggest thing. You have to find truth that replaces the lie. And so if the lie is I'm a failure, what I do is I open up scripture and I find all the truths that counteract that lie. And then I say those out loud and I repeat those out loud on a daily basis. So um, you confess the lie, you reject the lie, you replace the lie. You confess the lie, you reject the lie, you replace the lie. That is my system to breaking agreements with these lies that um, sometimes I got to do these on a daily basis. And um, if I do it on a daily basis, you know, I literally have some scriptures memorized that I have to use every single day when I start feeling overwhelmed or anxious. I start spitting out these truths and immediately, a hundred times out of a hundred times, when I start speaking out truths over the lies, the lies start to disappear. Mm. 
Yeah. And the thing I find and speaking of this whole like psychology in your brain and how this all works is like there's some lies that have rooted themselves so deeply because of like into our neural pathways. And so what you're saying too is the importance of like consistency and daily doing this because you may have lies that have been there for years or that you picked up as a kid that are just ingrained in your DNA, like in your brain so much that they feel natural to you. Like it's just almost you always believe... like it's like that whole you're walking with a limp and you don't know what it would be like to walk without a limp because you've walked with it for so long. You don't even recognize yeah. that it's there anymore that much. You've just consistently believed that about yourself. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. You know? yeah, I mean, that, that, that reminds me of the, you know, the, the story in scripture yes. of the, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda exactly. who has been laying there for 30 years. And when Jesus comes up and says, do you want to get healed? He actually didn't say yes. Yeah. He gave Jesus excuses. Excuse why, He's like, oh, but I've been he here for there. 30 years. It's because he was so used to his ailment that he didn't even know he was, you know, even sick anymore. And so that's exactly it. It's and that is Christine Kane does a really awesome talk on that actually that I've listened and said to people I'm like hey this is the there's a point where we get stuck in like a, a victim pick up your mat yes, yes the pick up your mat you got it yes yep. I, I've heard it I've heard her talk on that oh my gosh I love that one it's just fire but like that's the thing is like at some point we have to stop lifting in my book I talk about something called that I call the victim belief system. And it's like, the more you believe it, the more it is your truth. Like you, and it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but you have the power over that thing. You can't just keep saying like, I'm never going to find someone. I'm bad at dating. If you say those things to yourself consistently, most likely you will be them. Like you will not have good dating history. You, you will not have people interested in you because then you take it to the fact when it comes to dating, if you believe I'm not good at dating, no one's going to be interested in me. Then when you're talking, to someone of the opposite gender, you're kind of sending out that energy, like your posture, the way you speak, just the way you're eye, giving eye contact and you're present, like you're already telling yourself all these lies and it comes off in your energy. And therefore that person will feel it indirectly and be less interested in conversing with you. you know? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we can't, you know, it's just, it's so obvious how we can wear the lies we believe on our face, in our bodies, just in our reactions, and people can see it, you know? And, and I think that's why it's so, um, I think that's why I'm able, to be honest with you, to have difficult conversations with very passionate people that believe differently than I do when it comes to some of these hot topics on Instagram is because I'm actually seeing the lies that they believe about themselves and the trauma that that they've gone through, uh, which is resulting in whatever, you know, um, lashing out at me that, <laughs> the trolling, that happens, yes. you know? And so yeah. I, I think, I, I feel like, you know, like when, when you go to a place like onsite, like you have, and like, I have, like you come out and I think they, I don't know if they called it this for you, but when I left the last day, Bill Loki said, Hey, listen, you're going to have what we call onsite goggles when you leave yeah. this place, yes. which means that you're going to, you're going to see everybody else's crap. Like you're going to be yes. able to see like all their codependency and all the things, just make sure that you don't go out there like a, you know, like your codependent Lone Ranger just helping people out of their things. You know? Yes. <laughs> then you want to fix everyone else's problems. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, oh, yeah. wait, I'm seeing this so clearly. You have this issue. Oh, oh my gosh. But that, to your point, that it, it's given me so much more compassion for people when they reach, yeah. when they lash out or when I do get hate messages or something, I'm like, okay, this is coming most likely from their pain. I'm not the instigator here. This is something else. And so I can have yeah. more compassion. It doesn't mean I'm like going to always engage with it, but um, 
I can have more compassion for usually what's behind it because a lot of it's just projection. Hey friends, as you know, I'm in my 30s and yet to be married. And in fact, many of you know that earlier in 2020, I went through a breakup with a man that I thought I was going to marry. As I was healing from that breakup, I also had to grieve the future life I thought I'd have with that man, including the future kids we talked about having. The reality is a family is very much something that I desire, but since I'm in my early 30s, it has crossed my mind a time or two to look into my fertility. Now, if you're curious like me about your fertility and want to stop being anxious about something you truly have no idea about, then I want to share with you a brand I recently discovered. It's called Modern Fertility. Did you know that a simple finger prick can unlock tons of insight into your reproductive health? I'm talking egg count, menopause timing, if your hormone levels indicate conditions like thyroid disorders or PCOS, all things that are good to know whether or not kids are in your future. There's so much about fertility that's a complete mystery. That's where the modern fertility hormone test comes in. Think of your fertility hormones as tiny detectives. They can bring you tons of insight into your egg count, reproductive timeline, and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. Everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility. And guess what makes it all even easier, y'all? Modern fertility is done all at home. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You have to mail it in with a prepaid label, and then you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the exact same information. And guess what's even more, y'all? Right now, Modern Fertility is offering Heart of Dating listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash heart. That means your test will only cost $139 instead of the hundreds or even thousands of dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. You'll get important insights into how many eggs you have, your hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can even talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you do want kids today, or maybe one day in the future, you really need information to make the decision that's best for you. So you can get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com heart. That's modernfertility.com heart. You guys, I really have enjoyed Modern Fertility, and I hope that you do as well. So, Carlos, as we break down these lies, and we do that, tell me again, it's... Confess. Confess. Yeah, confess. Reject. Um, reject, replace. Replace. Okay, so good. Yeah. So, I love that. Um, I've done that in, in inadvertent ways, and so I love that it's sure. like, this is an yeah. easy formula, like confess, reject, and replace. So good. So as someone's doing this consistently, I think the thing that I find that's so freeing when it comes to stepping into our calling or stepping into the fullness of who we are and being able to unashamedly go out there and talk to people and date. I mean, this is a dating podcast. It's It's a process. And what I've loved, like just this year, I'll just say this, like 
watching you on Instagram and everything, I feel like the thing I've noticed the most is like, you're just so unashamedly who you are, you know, and you are, you share so truthfully. And I remember, I think it was a few weeks ago, you were like getting a colonoscopy and you were just like (laughs) at the hospital and like on the meds and you're like, Hey people, you know, like, I am like, this is amazing that you did that. (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it it takes, it takes work to get that comfortable in your, in your own skin and you know I, I I mean I do wish that I was that comfortable when I was dating my wife before we were married you know like I was not that comfortable in my own skin but I don't feel like it, it's got you've, you've got to wait until you're 46 years old to be that comfortable you know like I feel like the the le- the level of not the level I, I feel like people are just desperate for authenticity and and realness and they're nobody's really looking for like the perfect package anymore I, I feel like we've all come to the realization that, that listen, like we know you don't have to pretend to be perfect as you enter a dating relationship. You don't have to be, pretend to be perfect, you know, and, and yeah, of course, I mean, yeah, you want to doll yourself up. I, I did when yeah. I was, you know, dating. you know, you want to look good. You want to do all those things, but gosh, like people actually are desperate for authenticity and for truth and not for fabrication and not for filters. And, you know, I feel like the more the more upfront and real we can be at the beginning, the you know the the better the relationship's going to be. You know, I'm I'm speaking of being a dad to an 18 year old. She um she just started dating this guy, um just this year. It's her first boyfriend ever, yeah. like six months ago. And what I love about the relationship is that they were actually like best friends for like three years. Wow. So like like with zero like interest in each other like they they were they both liked other people like they were just best friends and so they actually saw the the gross stuff right they saw the real stuff they saw the um and i know this can't be the case for everybody in every any dating relationship but what that did is that accelerated them to a place of trust now that they they just don't have to like try to impress each other you know yeah. like it's, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. already seen they've already seen that stuff and so you know i just think that people are desperate for that people are desperate uh, for authenticity, you know, I, I think, I don't know if you told me or I read it on one of your things that, uh, you, you know, you're, you're like, Hey, if I want to date somebody, I want to know that you've been to therapy because I want to yeah. know, I, I already know that you, you've been through crap. Right. And so let me know that you're, you're working on it. That's all I need to know. Right. Yes. That's, that is, yeah. it's one of my dating kind of prerequisites, whether you've been yeah. like, if they've been, I'm like, that's attractive to me. Like, um, I, someone said this to me last year and I just keep repeating it, that therapy is the new tall for women. That <laughs> It's like, <laughs> um, awesome. I'd rather them go to therapy than be like six foot, whatever, you know, but it shows yeah. me that there's a humbleness in their heart. They're willing to work through the things that they're past, which takes a lot of courage and vulnerability. And I'm like, I love yeah. that. That's attractive. Yeah. Those are like qualities that are some in my top qualities. Oh, so yeah. already them yeah. being able to go, I'm like, oh, so there's more of a propensity that you probably have courage and you're probably yes. willing to be vulnerable because you can't go to therapy and not be vulnerable. Like, right. right. I mean, and you're going to have tools <laughs> yes. that, that you, you know, that are going to help us in a dating relationship. Yeah. So. I know if anybody, if I ever am like, oh yeah, I talked to my therapist today. They're like, really? You go to therapy? I'm like, oh, is this a problem? Like, is this uh, like, yeah. no. <laughs> Oh, this is not gonna be a thing. Like I, I yeah. don't love that reaction. Like that reaction yeah, is like, yeah, totally. I'm like t- such a turnoff. But today we are in this culture of like 
We do. I mean, we un- we unfortunately care so much about what people think about us, you know, and I am yeah. an Enneagram three, which means one of my biggest struggles is that is like having mm. to work through the fear of like what my perceived image is by other people. Yeah. And a big yeah. element where that pops up is through dating because yeah, it's where you're, you're most intimate, where that person sees your heart the most, where you crave that. And a lot of times like very deeply. And therefore, if it doesn't work out, you're like, what does this person think of me? You know, and those yeah. are the areas where people listening, I think the singles and, da- and dating couples in our community just really struggle. Like I liked this person. It didn't work out. And what does that say about me? Do, do you have anything Ooh. to say with that? Because I know there's lots of people in our community probably feeling that right now. Yeah. We just can't place the definition of who we are on someone else's opinion of who we are. You know, like it, it that's just, at the end of the day, that can't be the gauge that you that you live your relationships with. And I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Uh, but but I do feel like, you know, the less you do that, the healthier you're going to be, and the healthier that you are, probably, you know, the the how I, gosh, it's so funny. You know, I I haven't been single in so long, so I want to make sure that I phrase these things yeah, correctly yeah. in 2020 and not not you know not offend anybody. But but you know, the 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 healthier you are, the I'm not the faster you're going to find somebody because I, I I believe that you can be 50 and single and that may be what you're supposed to be. Right. But, but the, the, the healthier you're going to be for you. And like when, when you work on yourself, when, when you work on yourself, then guess what? You're, you're going to be happy and content being single. And, and, and if you're happy and consent, content being single, then if by God's grace, you do end up in a relationship, you're going to be, I mean, talk about, like the trophy of all trophies of like relationship partners, like, like that is, that is who somebody wants to be with is, is somebody that, that is defined by who God says they are and not who somebody else says they are. Yes. You know what you're reminding me? I I don't know if you did this exercise at onsite that we did it in our little group room, but where it was like the pillows. Did you do this? Like the three pillows? Were you standing on the pillow? Yes. yes. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes. Because I use okay. that to, I use that with everybody. I talk yes. So, okay. And I use it now. I, I, it's either pillows or I've used the example at talks before with like rings where you just have like hula hoop rings. If we're, if we're talking about the same one. So basically there would be, if you're, your one pillow or one ring is like represents you, it represents your heart, your passions, your connection with God, who you are, like that's you. And the only person responsible for that pillow, that ring, whatever we're calling it is you, like you have to take care of you. And if you're passionate about something, it's up to you to go after it. If you need to sleep, it's up to you to make sure the sleep happens. You know, like you need to take care of yourself. If you want a relationship with God, it's up to you. Then you have, when you're in relationship, you have that other person and like the same thing for them. They have their interests, their passions, their relationship with God. And this is the key. They're in charge of that ring or that, that pillow, not you. Um, and then in the middle connecting both when you're in relationship is like the relationship ring or relationship pillow. And that represents your connection together and the relationship. And I kind of say like, it's almost like the, how to lose a guy in 10 days, love fern. Like you have to keep like watering it, you know, or else it will die. Right. Like you, you have to tend to the relationship. The relationship also has needs that are, are mutual. And so the healthy version, if you guys are tracking here, is that in relationship, you would have like one foot in your ring or on your pillow and one foot in 
the relationship ring or on the relationship pillow. And, and the other person would be doing the same. And that would represent an equal balance where you are fully yourself, fully, you have your own relationship with God. You are taking care of yourself. You love yourself. And that's dependent on you. But then you are also investing in the relationship because the relationship requires some level of sacrifice and has needs. And the healthy model is the other person doing the same, right? But where I see it goes so wrong is when in dating, especially early on what we do, even just for some of the people in our community, what I have recognized, when you put yourself out there, you go on a first date, Christians are notorious for this. You immediately, like on a first few dates, you're taking both your feet and putting it in the relationship ring, which is right. basically <laughs> like, you're like everything, all of me is invested in the idea of this thing and this working out. <laughs> Right. Right. And that is dangerous. Yes. And that becomes, (laughs) that's where the codependency kicks in. And that's where, when it doesn't work, you're like, who am I without this? You know, because you have abandoned your, you've left yourself, (laughs) you know? So did I miss anything in that example? Is that like, you guys were talking to? No, that's so good. (laughs) It's exactly, listen, I'm talking to both my daughters who are dating, uh, like about that. And all the time I'm like, Hey, listen, like, you're on the sofa really close to each other on the same pillow. You need to be on different pillows and like one <laughs> leg can be on the same pillow. No, I'm just kidding. But, but That's yeah, hilarious. Definitely. I love that. No, but that, I mean, <laughs> this is where it's coming to what you're saying. It's like when we are removing the fear of what others think about us, it's like, how do we find that balance? Yeah. And I think it requires us doing the work that you said, like, you know, we really have to know. And I think that requires some reckoning of like being honest with ourselves. Like I think often, I don't know about you, but sometimes we want to put the blame on other people. Well, they rejected me, you know? And it's like, I want to put it on them. Like, oh my gosh. And that resentment, but maybe there's something like, maybe we put too much of ourselves in that relationship and there's ownership we need to take. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, gosh, it feels like every single relationship. I mean, I wish that all this stuff was available to me when I was dating. I mean, just because I was just a jacked up mess, man. Like I, <laughs> I I've, I've, you know, I, I've had, I've had to reach out to so many former friends and girlfriends and be like, I'm so sorry for who I was back then. Like, uh, I just, you know, whether they stumble upon me on Instagram. And they're like, wow, Carlos, you've really changed. And I'm like, I know, I'm so sorry for what I put you through, you know? Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Carlos, this is awesome. You're an amazing friend, man. I don't uh, even know the questions. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So here's, uh, I'm like, we're just going off script. It's my favorite. This yeah, is my yeah, favorite interview. Yeah. I didn't even know there was a script. So no, there's, there's some questions uh, I got here, you know, but we're keep going. Oh, okay. So this was a question I did have, I wanted to bring up, but one thing that's tough in the day and age we live in, and I think we're seeing it now more than ever with things last year between Black Lives Matter and the election, just so many things and social media and the media and then, you know, the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma and just like Mm -hmm. all of this leading to like, how do we discern between which voices we should be letting in? Because some voices will contribute to those lies and the voices of negativity and will like make us continue to tolerate the lies we're believing. So what does that look like for you to really discern between like the voices that we should be letting in? Yeah. Well, I I think the first part of the answer is going to be everybody that's listening to this already has too many voices that they're letting in. And, and when I say too many voices, I'm not even talking about good or bad voices. I'm talking about voices in general. They can be good. They can be, you can have too many good voices. We just, 
we're consuming t- way too much content these days. And so I believe that there's, there's, um, you know, kind of content fatigue that we, that, that's where you start looking at social dilemma and not social dilemma, whatever the name of that, that, that documentary was. I think it's a social was. dilemma. Yeah, whatever. Was it? Okay. I think it um, is. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I, I can't remember if that was the Facebook movie that came out or if that was what, what. No, it's the social dilemma. Out. Yep. You're right. Cause I just Googled okay. it now. I'm like, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Social dilemma. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, so, so a, first of all, I, I think that we just need to limit the amount of voices at in general that are coming in, uh, into our lives. We, we weren't created to carry the amount of stories that we're carrying mm-hmm. and th- there's just no way, you know, I tell people all the time that my great grandparents, uh, when they were alive, like the only way they could put a either good news or bad news on their shoulders was either somebody had to tell them like face to face or write them a letter. Wow. And that was the only way that they were able to put put stories on their shoulder. And then, you know, my grandparents got newspapers, then my parents got cable news. And then my generation got the internet. And then now there's studies that show that the amount of content we consume, the first 15 minutes we get out of bed is the same amount of content that our, my, my great grandparents consumed in 30 days. What? And so, oh yes. and my so, gosh, that's mind blowing. That, and, and so most oh people, gosh. because they, they use their phones as their alarm clocks, yeah. they, uh, they swipe their alarm and then they, they have notifications. They start swiping up. And then in 15 minutes, they're consuming more information than our great grandparents did in 30 days. And so people wonder why we're like plagued with anxiety and depression and panic attacks and all these things. It's because we just weren't created to consume the amount of content we're consuming. We weren't created to listen to the amount of voices we're listening to. So that's the first thing. Lessen the amount, first of all. And then the second thing is I just look for fruits of the spirit. I look like, is is the voice that I'm consuming giving me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If they get, do that, then that's the voice that I want to be listening to. Does that mean that I don't listen to voices I disagree with? No, absolutely not. There's There can be opinions I disagree with that are still filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then, you know, you know, in order to stay like like culturally aware, of course, there are a couple of accounts that I'm listening to that, you know, I, I just make sure I don't listen to them every day because they're, they're negative, they're, you know, but they are, they're news sources or whatever it may be. So, you know, I just think there, it's two steps. It's, the first thing is like, Limit the amount in general, and then the second is limit limit what type of voices are coming in. Yeah, that's so good. I heard Brené Brown talked about this on an episode she did earlier this year in 2020. I think the episode is called Your Body is Not an Apology, which just love that title. It's so good. Um, But she talked about how like she was starting to go to therapy. She's going to therapy and and her therapist was like, because you have started to consume so much media, like we need an entire therapy session just to like each week just to go over the media you're consuming and how it's affecting you. She's like, so if we want to get to the core root of other things, Brene, you need to start cutting the amount that you're listening to because the amount it does like, and that's what I had to do this last year is figuring out, you know, I don't want to run away and hide from everything (laughs) because that can be a a tendency. So want to stay in the know to an extent, but having boundaries and figuring out what that looks like for us. Like, I think again, it's coming back to the ownership of like, if you recognize that following 
following certain accounts are giving you anxiety or watching cer- certain media sources or being, right. I mean, being around certain friends are, is giving you specific kind of anxiety or creating or prepa- like continuing those lies you believe about yourself, mm-hmm. then that needs to shift. And like at the, for the people listening, like you're the only person that has control over that. Like Carlos can't help right. you with that. I can't help you with that. Like you have to take ownership of being like, what is that? And what is the main thing contributing to why I feel so anxious about this thing or so fearful about this thing? And you have to be able to take ownership and shift that, you know, because nobody else is going to do it for you. (laughs) The media will not stop going. (laughs) No, the media has one job and that is to make money. And so they they are going to continue to shock you and jar your emotions um, in ways that that's not going to be healthy for you to continue to pull off. Mm, yeah. Carlos, okay, this has been so fun. I love chatting with you. Any last this is just awesome. New friends, man. Come on. Yeah, this is come great. On. Love it. So as we're talking about closing up the convo on lies, like any last words or encouragement for singles specifically? And the the last question we ask everybody on the podcast is what would be your final nugget of dating advice for the listeners? <laughs> oh, final nugget of dating advice for the listeners. Yes. Um, gosh, you know, I, I feel like they've heard it the entire time. I think the biggest dating advice I would have is had that actually, it has nothing to do with dating and everything to do with yourself. The healthier you are, the healthier you can get by going to therapy, by going to find a, you know, a a way that you can continue to develop into the healthiest version that you are. It's going to make your dating just so go so much better. You're going to end up not being in near as many broken relationships as you maybe have found yourself in because you're not going to let yourself get into those relationships because you're going to be fixed, you know? And so um, I would just be like, if there's one thing that I would say when this is over, like put down your iPhone or Android or whatever it is and, and go find a therapist, go find somebody, even if you don't have anything wrong, even if you don't, if you don't feel like there's anything wrong, go talk to somebody because they can pull out some things uh, in you that you may not even know exist. And so, yeah, go, go find a therapist and and start that relationship that's what i'd say that's so good and on top of that everyone listening like you heard our conversation like we're not saying you need to be perfect like there isn't that place of perfection we're not perfect so you're always going to be working on yourself but starting the process now i think relationships bring up the biggest crap i think in our lives like yeah. at least for me like intimate relationships bring up more than that comes out just sometimes with my friendships you know it's like man that really came out yeah. here And that's, and so as single, sometimes we're like, I'm good. Like everything's fine. (laughs) But the reality is there's probably things living under the surface that I'd better to address now than wait for that to come up and have to work through it in the relationship, which if you do, it's okay. But you know what I mean? No, it's true. No, it is true. You know, and, and again, don't put, don't put any false pressure on yourself to become this perfect human, human, the, the, the point of Therapy isn't to become perfect. The point of therapy is just so that you have more tools so that when imperfect situations come about, you have the right tools to help. Ooh, that's so good. Oh, yeah. Carlos, this is amazing. Will you share with people who want to connect with you just what you have going on? I know in 2020, you came out with a new book. Do you have anything you could tell yeah. us about that or anything else you got going on? Yeah, no, I've got it. I got a book, Enter Wild, that came out. Again, it's 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 more along the lines of our help is in the natural and our hope is in the supernatural. And so, yes. uh, whereas Kill the Spider, my my yes. last book was all about my experience at onsite and therapy. So good. Enter Wild, Enter Wild is more about my experience with inner healing prayer and how that kind of was the the icing on the cake with my healing from anxiety and depression. And so I got that going on. You can check that out. And then I actually have a, um, 
a social media storytelling course that's coming out oh uh, in February. That's and so epic. just going to help people, help people, you know, um, tell better stories on, on Instagram and all the places. And so, yeah, that's coming out. And I, lo- I love to do that kind of stuff too. So people can keep an eye out for that. Oh, I'm so glad you're doing that. <laughs> I yeah. mentioned so many times how I love following you on Instagram. So what an b- amazing thing yeah. you put together. I'm so excited yeah. about that. That's going to be epic. Be good. Carlos, thank you so much for just sitting down and chatting with me today. This has been such a joy and love connecting with you. <laughs> oh, you're the best. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, let's do it again. Come on, y'all. What about that conversation with Carlos today? I'm just so grateful for him and his newfound friendship. I hope this conversation impacted you guys. I hope that it started to get you to think about lies that you're believing a little bit differently and really challenge you as you start out this brand new year. Again, guys, I can't encourage you enough. Go follow Carlos on Instagram at Low Sweat and also go grab some of his books. He has three out now and they are all absolutely helpful and transformative. So go grab them. Stay tuned because you guys, this Friday, I have a mini series coming out. We're going to talk about failure redirected and how to redirect the nose in your life into actually something incredible and something good. Love y'all and can't wait to see you at the conference next month and also for my book coming out February 16th. Let's go. See you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.